0: For another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. If you can, please give us that five star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, send us out Facebook Gaming Stars if possible, it is truly appreciated not only for the Lakers Fast Break. But the latest episode of the PCC Multiverse, which is now located on the Pop Culture's Cosmos channel, wherever you get your podcasts, and on over 30 stations worldwide on radio, plus also NBA Draft Junkies and the Run the Floor podcast as well. Well, it's another very interesting day in the world of basketball for the playoffs, NBA playoffs, day 23. It has gone by, as I was talking about with my guest here, actually my cohort in crime for the playoffs, as it were. We were looking forward to this whole scenario with game seven of Boston and Toronto, but man, the days are flying by fast. And of course, today it was just like pretty much everyone thought it would be going down to the wire in the last minute between Boston and Toronto with Boston and dare I say it, Laker Tom actually being right on this one, Boston pulling it out for the victory, over the Toronto Raptors, eliminating them four games to three in the Eastern Conference semifinals. So the world champion Toronto Raptors are no more. The longest reigning champions are no more. (laughs) So they won, uh, like I said, Boston did 92-87. Also as well, the Clippers looked like they were riding high. They were just going ahead and coast, and they were going to go ahead in the second half and just take care of business because they had a nice 12-point lead at the half. Unfortunately, somebody didn't tell the Denver Nuggets because Denver pulled what I could say is a nice comeback in the second half, and they won 111-105. And here today to talk about both games, and possibly even more Daniel House, is my good friend indeed. You got to check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies. If you need the latest and greatest news and information on anything relating to the NBA draft, there is absolutely no better place to go than NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, where over 12,000 subscribers already know where to get their info from, with dozens and dozens and dozens of videos out right now. And, well, the NBA liked his work so much, they gave him another month to go ahead and put even more (laughs) stuff there for you. It is my good friend indeed. It is Mr. Rafael Barlow. And Raphael. no surprise to us that it went down to the final minute on Game 7 of Boston-Toronto because that's where we're head first. But how it came out, I think, for us was kind of not expected.
1: Well, yeah, I had Toronto winning. And so, um, you know, when you make a prediction, you kind of want to be right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so, um, yeah, um, I mean – I think the teams were evenly matched, and you know, to be honest, you can say that Toronto or Boston deserved to win because they were cheated in the last game because Kimble was fouled on that on that play, and uh, and even like was the last what do they call it the last two minute what whatever the report hey, yeah the last two minute report or something like that they even admitted to making a mistake so it was um you know it was fitting that boston ends up ends up winning because if that foul would have been called the series would have been over in six games yeah absolutely
0: uh, and i think right now you could say that boston was the more deserving of the teams in fact they were a half second away as we talk about in game three yeah, yeah going up 3-0 so this was their series to lose and they ended up not losing although they really tried hard to lose that game in the fourth quarter both teams executed poorly it was just to the point where Boston had about a 10-point lead and almost ended up costing it all in the last minute.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I could say the same about Toronto. They didn't box out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fortunate, fortunate with um, – Kyle Lowry you know, found Grant out. Williams. Yeah, well, Grant Williams missed the two free throws. They didn't box out. Then they had a terrible possession where Van Vliet dribbled the entire shot clock. And, and so um, – yeah, I mean I just the ending was good. It didn't have the same excitement as game six, that the ending of that game. But um, you know, Toronto has to be uh you know, they overachieved this season. I mean I'm sure they have to be a little bit disappointed because um, you know, they were a couple possessions away from going back to the conference finals. Um Siakam had a rough series. He's he had a really rough series, but um you know, it would be interesting to see what they do going forward. I mean, they still have Ibaka and Gasol are free agents, Van Vliet's a free agent. So I'm really curious to see what uh, Masai does this, not summer, this <laughs> fall. Yep. <laughs> this fall in free agency, so.
0: Well, do you think that Toronto has faith in where Pascal Siakam is as a player? Because obviously he's improved quite tremendously. I mean, most improved mm-hmm. player. Uh, he's done such a great job year after year after year. You've seen that he had, what was it? The, the I don't know if it was an NBA record, but he had like a far as for years of improvement on continuously improving his numbers. He had like, I think mm-hmm. six or seven in a row. And which leads me to the point where I wanted to ask you, uh, do you see him ever becoming a number one player on the team as far as in this type of situation? Because all series long, Toronto looked for him and he just couldn't get the job done.
1: Yeah, I mean, eventually, I think it's just one of those things. It was his first playoff series where expectations were placed on him. And, you know, name me a star or name me a high level player that didn't struggle with um, expectations. So I think that's just um, what it brought it down to. The lights were bright for him. And when Boston, or when. Um, when uh Toronto needed him, he just wasn't he just wasn't available
0: well it was uh i from a defensive standpoint uh for both sides uh that kind of game that we were thinking would be very dirty, very messy, very sloppy, but very hard nosed uh, all at the same time, especially in that fourth quarter. it really got to the point where everything started to bog down but again for playoff junkies as we're using the term there Uh, it was actually something very good to watch, but it leads Boston into the next round in Miami and some early thoughts on that. uh, You know, I'm not going to know here in Vegas, but I'll probably know here by the time we're here tomorrow that I have a good strong feeling that Miami is already at this point in time, considered the favorites they've had rest at least in the first game. But I think overall in the series that Miami has an advantage I'm th- I'm thinking Miami. I'm leaning Miami at this point in time. Do you see a way that Boston can go ahead with the mix that they have now, try to find a way to go ahead and circumvent the momentum that Miami has?
1: That's going to be a good series. Um, I don't think anybody predicted Miami and Boston in the conference finals. Maybe one of the two, but not both. I haven't thought about yet who I would think would be the favorite going into it and who I want to win. I guess I'm probably leaning towards Miami a little bit. Uh, You know, see Pat Riley and Spo go against Braun. That would be pretty interesting. Um, But, yeah, I think that – I don't know. I guess you would say Miami would – I guess you would say Miami could have the momentum in a sense, but then, you know, the way these – but Boston will be – coming off a tough series, which they – I don't know. I guess Boston had a tougher series than uh, than the Heat. So I, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough to, to to make a choice right now.
0: But there it, it could be a situation where we think the team has, that had the rest had the advantage, but then you see with the Lakers' first two series, that's not necessarily the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't – you know, with the way this playoffs is going, it's just hard to – predict anything it's been so unpredictable I mean like you know I guess we can use this as a segment into the next game Mm -hmm. I thought Denver was done second series in a row (laughs) so I thought you know 3-1 it's already tough to come back and man you you gotta take your hat off to them man those guys are some fighters there they don't they don't give up they really don't want to go home no, they
0: don't Uh, because they did go ahead and came back in the second half. Was it more of a situation where they were just executing much better on offense and the Clippers just basically uh, collapsed in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter, giving up three-pointer after two-pointer? I'll talk to you about the mp the MPJ three-pointer here in a second, but mm. overall in that second half, I mean, where we saw that shift, that actual tonal shift – where Denver really just gained a lot of momentum and confidence. You could see it, especially early in that fourth quarter. I want to hear your thoughts on what happened and and why did Clippers, who looked like they were just going to go ahead and breeze through this game and on to the the Western Conference Championships, just unfortunately, just like I said, just collapsed in that second half.
1: Yeah, they collapsed but then Denver got a good game out of Jamal Murray. I think if I'm the, not mistaken. Well, he, he
0: didn't shoot well, but he got volume. He volume. This is yeah. the first real time here in a couple of games that he's actually taken a volume number of shots, which I think is in a benefit case for uh, Denver, because when he shoots only 10 to 14 times, he's really not much of a factor. But when he shoots 20, 25, 30 times, then it really becomes a factor because of how much pressure he puts on the defense.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I think he's only averaging fourteen in the other games that yep. they that they lost. And so, I mean, I guess they'll take twenty six on nine of twenty five over, you know, fourteen on three of fifteen or whatever. So, Paul Millsap stepped up big, and then um, MPJ hit a, a big shot. I was curious to see what was going to happen because he wanted more touches, and he had only one field goal attempt at like the last minute of the. Third quarter, so I'm like, did they freeze him out? Was he scared to shoot or whatever? But he, he barely played it. in the game. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think he played like 22 minutes. I thought I think he, he played, played only 15. Um. Yes, yeah, says here. He played 22 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. And took three shots, got four free throws. Um, no, yeah, it, it would have been a big story if they would have lost and he only got three shots. Yeah, that would have been uh, <laughs> that would have been a big deal. But the one he did
0: hit. Is the big clutch one. It was a big mm-hmm. shot clutch right there in the fourth quarter. It was so funny because I told you on social media or I sent that message to you if you looked on ESPN.com and you see Landry Shaman who was sitting on the bench at that time trying to yell uh, to try and distract MPJ but he did it in such a half-hearted way because he's like this and going like that mm-hmm. and it's just so funny. I don't know if you saw it or not but It was just so funny how that – yeah, because it was so funny because he's just like, okay, I really want you to miss, but I'm not really putting my full effort into it. It's like you weren't getting up. You weren't doing anything to really cheer on your your team. You're just like sitting there uh, disappointed that you're not involved in the mix in the fourth quarter and trying to just do like a half-hearted yell attempt. So that's why I thought it was kind of funny. But MPJ did hit that only shot at the right time there's still going to be questions as far as his touches are, you know, later on, but you know what? It worked for Denver today. They got a great mix of three pointers. Like you said, from Millsap uh, and Morris, I think played pretty good. I mean, they just got a collective effort today. I think that was much better than what we've seen in the past couple games.
1: Yeah. But I, I do think the Clippers kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, we've seen
0: that a lot lately, haven't we?
1: Yeah. I mean, they got good games out of Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. And I, this is probably the first time that they've had good games out of both of those guys, and they lost. Um, they didn't really get a lot from Lou Williams. He only had four. He was two of ten. Yeah, I mean, Harrell and, and Lou Will only combined for ten points total. So that was, uh, you know, that that's—I mean, I guess, you don't, one, you don't expect that to happen— but I just remember, like, seeing the tweets during the game, people were saying, well, the Clippers have more weapons than than any other team. You know, they're, they're deeper. And, I mean, <laughs> on paper, it may look like it.
0: But you don't play the game on paper.
1: Yeah, you, you play it. And I, I don't think they've had a complete game. Maybe one. Maybe, I guess, one of the games in this series. But I don't think they've had a complete game this playoff series. They've looked somewhat kind of shaky at times. And, kind
0: of distracted at times as well.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think they may have been looking ahead. You know, I think, I mean, honestly, I think both L.A. teams are looking ahead. And
0: that's what you might see tomorrow if the Lakers get distracted real easily because they're eyeing the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, and the Clippers are eyeing the Lakers, plus also their first ever as an organization. So definitely, like you said, they there's... Got caught looking ahead. They had the 12-point lead. They looked like they were going to go win going away, and and just unfortunately didn't get it done for them. But to me, it's it shows and speaks of Denver's heart. And we'll see tomorrow if Houston's going to have that same kind of heart. But there's that every real possibility that the Lakers could do the same thing because every time we think the Lakers or the Clippers are really gelling and starting to play well, they seem mm-hmm. to have those games where they just or those times or those halves like today but they just really just come out flat.
1: Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it can happen. You've been playing every other day for the last, what, 20, I guess more than that. Yeah. Last 40-something days. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I can definitely see that. But I think both teams are kind of looking ahead. I think the game tomorrow, it's either going to be Houston wins because L.A. was looking ahead or the Lakers blow the Rockets out by 30. And I Houston think just wants to get out of there. I think there's something in between. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break.
0: Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at lakerholics.com. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite. 'Cause it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it.
1: A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past ten years.
0: Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week, or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on over thirty more podcast outlets. Can I ask you one last question before we head on out, or before we also hear sure. what you do what you're cooking at uh, NBA Draft Junkies? The Daniel House situation, where uh it was finally come to light with that i think it was a a work uh an employee there that does the testing if i'm not mistaken uh she was at the inside the room of daniel houses uh for an extended period of time that's all i'll say and i'll let you you know you're out there in in podcast land imagine on exactly what they were doing for an extended amount of time
1: Probably uh, just watching some game film or, you know, absolutely. studying like, different rotations that he may have been missing. So Absolutely.
0: Yeah. She was probably pointing out, you know, where LeBron is, uh, you know, uh, taking care of the defense and whatnot. But I wanted to ask you this, my friend. <laughs> uh, she, I guess, under examination and investigation by the NBA, pointed out another player and Tyson Chandler and did not point out Daniel House, which made it even worse. So was this a distraction for Houston at that period of time? You think that weighed in at all, outside of obviously not having Daniel House there, who's a who's a pretty good, decent uh, two-way player in the league, who's really worked hard on this game to get where he's at, because he you know he I think he was a free agent and came on and, and played on several mm-hmm. teams and didn't quite much, you know cut it. You've, similar story to what we see from PJ Tucker. But do you think that was a distraction for the team for Game Four?
1: yeah i definitely think it was even to the point where they i remember reading that they didn't really have a lot of details of what happened they just know that he was suspended and then there wasn't a lot of evidence and then even like today they couldn't i think i read they couldn't pinpoint her to his room but they know that his door opened at a certain time or something like that and before the nba sent like the official memo out that he had been sent home or whatever it seemed like it was still a little fishy in the sense like i mean i don't know they may have something you know you would think that there's cameras in the in the hallways or or whatever it's but disney it, so
0: you think they would
1: yeah and, but that didn't come out in the report it just said that they linked that how she got through and then the door opened and and all of that stuff so um you know, there's a bunch of wild rumors saying that he was taking the fall for somebody else, and then of course, you know, Twitter's gonna say that you know it's Harden, who, you know, he does have a reputation for liking to to party or whatever. So, but then I'm like, well. I'm sure if someone was going to take the fall for Daniel Hart, or I mean for James Harden, it was not going to be a rotation player. Maybe yeah. like Bruno, Kabako <laughs> exactly, or Chris Clemens, or Tyson Nelson Chandler, Frazier. yeah, somebody like that that's not going to play. So I thought that was crazy. And then there was a rumor that LeBron. Did you see that one? No, they I blame LeBron. It. Of course, because so you got to blame do. LeBron. Well, apparently, there's a guy that is friends with LeBron and they show that him and LeBron have tweeted each other. And, you know, LeBron follows him, whatever. He made a comment saying something along the lines of, I know Daniel house didn't do that, but he said it like during the game when nobody knew what was going on. And so somehow they linked it saying like, he must've knew beforehand And then he's connected to LeBron. LeBron made a phone call. Then one I thought was funny. There's like, you know, isn't the NBA Players Association supposed to fight for Daniel House? And they were like, well, who's over the NBA Players Association? Well, Chris Paul, who's probably not going to do any favors for the Rockets. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) And LeBron James. So, you know, Twitter is a funny place. All the, you know, Twitter investigators and, and... you know conspiracy theorists but whatever it is it's just a bad look for for daniel house um you know it's just one of those things where even on the personal side he has to go home and i i mean i'm not married and i i couldn't imagine you know you got that flight and then you think of like oh man i got to go home and explain myself and and you know i imagine it's an embarrassing thing because it's public everybody knows about it and all of that. But I definitely think that the Rockets were maybe somewhat distracted by it. Um, but then you would think, like, they shouldn't be if everybody's innocent in this situation. You know, like, if if other guys are worried that something else is going to come out, then maybe they could be a little distracted. I did read, uh, I think it was in the Shams report, that they were saying that they think this is, an, is not an isolated incident.
0: I would not be surprised. If it's not an isolate.
1: Right. And then they're saying, well, they think that the NBA was trying to make an example out of Daniel House. They're saying if it were a star player, this would not have happened, which is valid. I mean, let's say if it was LeBron or Anthony Davis or somebody big. Yeah. Definitely not the two Laker guys. <laughs> so, um, but yeah it's just an unfortunate situation it's It's one of those things that Houston did not need that because you already have you know you got a coach that's somewhat of a lame duck coach you have you know like if they lose this series four to one then small ball looks like it was a complete failure, so it was just. Just a bad situation for for Houston. They already had their odds against, you know, stacked up against them, and and this could be like the final blow. Well,
0: it looks like that may be the case, but again, it could be a very well situation that we say, see that we see tomorrow that we saw today, where mm-hmm. the Lakers will come out flat because we've seen it before already in the playoffs, where you think they're really on a roll, they kind of let you down and just like you said, take their foot off the pedal and and just really surprise you with the way that they're playing sometimes because they can be so effective at at various points of the game and then just all of a sudden, you know, it's like, okay, am I watching the same team? But then again, we saw that from the Clippers today. So we'll have to wait and see if, if Houston can muster up something in game five tomorrow. I have a feeling that they won't, but I think they probably at this point, they just, I see on their faces that they just want to get this thing over with. They don't have the same kind of look and determination I think that I see from Denver, but you never know. I mean, with Russell Westbrook there, he may just be angry at everybody and yeah. and, and he may just will this team to win, so I wouldn't be surprised about that either. But yeah, you just uh, we'll have to wait and see how this whole Daniel House Houston Rockets how this whole thing <laughs> will go ahead and and unfold in the next 24 hours. I think that Daryl Morey, even though people now say he his job is safe, even if they lose tomorrow, I don't know 100 percent about that. Because remember, this all started back last year with his mm-hmm. comments uh, and as much as his comments may be to many individuals out there, you know, about uh, the freedom for, uh, you know, that that area of the world. Uh, you know, they may agree with it or not agree with it. It's, it's like I said, just it set off of a a chain of events that have perpetuated this entire season as far as being one of the craziest on record.
1: Right. And you know, surprisingly it didn't hurt the NBA as we initially thought as far as like the salary cap, they're yeah. saying that the salary cap is supposed to stay the same. I mean, I guess if it didn't go up, then it does hurt it in a sense, but not the big drops that people were expecting. Like I, I remember seeing some rumors. They're saying that it may go from 109 million to back below 100, and and, and this and that. So, uh, and but you know that seemed like it was so long ago. That yeah. seemed that situation with with uh, China, and Hong Kong, seemed like two seasons ago. You
0: know, what? and it's really
1: almost a year. Like it is it's about twelve months. To to yeah, it's yeah.
0: well, funny because. All the stuff that's going on that you think about, oh yeah, that happened about a year ago. Oh yeah, that happened mm-hmm. about a year ago. I mean, the draft itself, when it finally comes around, supposedly November eighteenth, that draft
1: will be Yeah, exactly,
0: <laughs> and that will be a over a year after the previous draft, and and not yeah. even close. A year and a half almost. Yep. So that that's just crazy. That's just crazy. But then again, that's what this twenty twenty season's all about. But we look forward to going ahead and reporting tomorrow about the Lakers in Houston in Game 5. I'm looking forward to having you here. And we know both know we're going to have some Lakerholics around us when it comes to Lakerholics.com. So check out what Laker Tom, Sean Grice, and Jamie Sweet are doing today at Lakerholics.com. Maybe part of that conversation. Obviously, we cannot thank you enough for listening here to Lakers Fast Break. I dropped another PCC Multiverse on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And inside sports fantasy football, if you've got – Last minute drafts, you want to go ahead and join. We give you that last minute advice with Chris Sardieri. We dropped one of those this week. But before we head on out, my friend, I give you the floor. I know it's the same old, same old, but your same old is much better than anyone else's same old because you do so much work great work for your everyone out there at NBA Drafts at NBA Draft Junkie. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, on what you're up to at your awesome site, NBA Draft Junkie.
1: Yeah, I just dropped a a uh, YouTube video. I actually dropped it during the game tonight. I had a chance to interview a, a guy by the name of Spencer Weber, really interested in basketball in the draft, and he he broke down his mock draft, and we just kind of talked about his picks. And so um, I have a few other guys that I'm going to have on my show and basically just talk about their, their big boards or their mock draft and just get their opinions and have a little fun with it. Uh, I have another one that I'll probably put out tomorrow, which will be Saturday. Then another one on Sunday. So my goal is to just continue to put out content, maybe at least four or five days a week going forward while I have the while I have the time and you know while the draft is somewhat on people's minds. So it's time for me to just kind of capitalize on the fact that uh, I have an extended period of time to just kind of create content and, and build my my platform, my brand, so to speak.
0: That's awesome. And it's an awesome brand indeed. And you got to be part of it today at NBA draft NBA draft junkies on YouTube. Also his great podcast, NBA draft junkies and the run the floor podcast. Please go ahead and give him five stars, follow, subscribe, like whatever you can do to go ahead and give him some love. And I was just showing everybody on Facebook live, your videos, I love how you go ahead and do that with the special guests like Garrett Lucas and uh, Spencer that you had that you Mm -hmm. just dropped there. I love how you put that Obi Toppin to Charlotte, Tyrese Halliburton to Warriors. It's like in all in question marks. (laughs) It's kind of funny how you lay that out. But uh, I know you had a good time talking to them. Uh, Actually checking that one out here after we get off the show. I did check out your first one and... Very interesting. I'll I'll leave it at that. But uh, I look forward to seeing more stuff that you're doing for NBA Draft Junkies. I know you're giving something to Laker Tom here in the the coming days as well for Lakerholics.com. So please just keep in touch with us right here at Lakerholics.com, NBA Draft Junkies, and of course right here at the Lakers Fast Break. If you have any questions for us, he's got the really active Twitter right here, this guy right here. So if you want to go ahead and follow him on Twitter, it's at Barlow500 or at NBA Draft Junkies. Hint, hint. Though the at Barlow500 is a lot of fun to listen to, watch when you go ahead on Twitter. See a lot of great comments from him. Plus, if you want to go ahead and talk to me, it's at Lakers Fast Break or Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. Well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, my friend. Uh, it is going to be an interesting to see what kind of effort Houston can give the Lakers tomorrow in Game Five. Will they roll over, or will they put up a fight? We'll wait and see tomorrow, and you and I will be back here along with several Lakerholics, or at least one Lakerholic, I would be sure of. That's Laker Tom, but we'll see how many Lakerholics will come by right here at the Lakers Break Podcast.